0: Welcome to the Powerline Podcast, the official podcast of Greystone Power. I'm your host, Emily Young, and today we're talking with musician Lenny LeBlanc, who will be performing at our upcoming annual meeting in October. So let's get started on episode 35 of the Powerline Podcast. Lenny LeBlanc is a Christian singer-songwriter whose career took off in the 1970s. A former member of the duo LeBlanc and Carr, he's best known for their hit song, Falling. Today, you'll get to know a little more about our performer for our upcoming annual meeting, which will be held October 14th this year. Hey, Lenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking some time to sit down and chat with us today. You're a multi-instrumentalist as well as a singer. What was your first instrument? Were you self-taught or did you take lessons?
1: My first instrument was bass guitar and uh, I was pretty much self-taught. We were kind of poor growing up, so we couldn't afford music lessons or even an instrument. And so um, when I was 15 I got my first job and saved enough money to buy a bass guitar and then I learned from watching other people and then just kind of figuring things out myself.
0: Oh wow that's really impressive. Did you ever perform on stages before you started doing music full-time?
1: No I really started by accident. I was uh I grew up on the east coast of Florida and in that area we all we all went to surf at the beach. We were surfers and so I went home With my best friend he had a car and so we drove to his house and his brother and several of his little friends were in the living room with their little electric guitars and they were playing songs on the radio this was 1965. and so i knew the songs and they looked at my friend and i and they said hey why don't one of you guys come over here and sing and i thought sing we're not singers we're surfers and so um we you know eventually became you know started listening again and i went over there and i just picked up the sheet music and I knew the songs because they were on the radio, so I started singing, and they looked at me really funny, and they said, wow, you sound really good. I said, really? They said, yeah, let's put a band together and enter the talent show at school. And I thought, do you think I have that talent? And they said, yeah. And so we went, and I was the singer, and I had never been on a stage in front of anybody doing anything, and I had my hands in my pockets and my back to the audience, and we won the show. And so oh, then wow. They got then they got really excited, and they said, you need to get a bass. I said, what's a bass? <laughs> and that's when I went to get the job and, and uh, saved enough money to buy a bass. And before long, after about a year or two, I was making a living in the nightclubs playing bass and singing.
0: Wow, that's a really cool backstory. I mean, we all got to start somewhere. So, yeah, <laughs> You've done background vocals for Amy Grant, Roy Orbison, Hank Williams Jr., and more. Tell me what that was like.
1: Yeah, you know, I moved to a little town in uh, Alabama where I still live today, and it's quite a quite a musical history there. It's Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and all those artists recorded there, plus many, many other ones, you know. And so I was kind of a fixture there in the studio playing bass or singing and writing and eventually became a recording artist myself. So when people would come to town, I was one of the people that they would choose to sing, you know, and I got to meet a lot of great artists and sing with them. It was really inspiring and i learned so much from those artists you know watching them you know and, and just singing and listening how producers produced records and things like that and so it was a great experience
0: wow that's really amazing to be able to see and work with them firsthand i couldn't even yeah. imagine
1: yeah it was really really um a blessing really
0: so your song falling was named one of billboard's all-time favorite top 40 hits were you surprised by the reaction to that song
1: not really because as a songwriter you know you write a lot of songs and my co-writer and i when we wrote that song we just looked at each other and we just knew something inside of us we just knew it was it was a hit whether i recorded it or maybe somebody else recorded it it was a hit on its own and we knew it was just a matter of time so no i really wasn't surprised i was sure thankful but not surprised just by the reaction from You know, we play it for friends and they would they would their reaction was like, Oh my gosh, that's like a huge song, you know.
0: Wow, that's really cool that you guys could already tell. Just I know what you mean. Sometimes you get that feeling you're like, Wow, like these lyrics just hit different or Mm -hmm. music, everything just sounds so perfect together.
1: And then when you write a mediocre one, you know the same thing. (laughs) "Eh, This is not that great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you've worked with several international artists. Was the language barrier ever an issue?
1: You know, not really. Um, most countries in that, we, that I've traveled to, and I've traveled to about 25 different countries all through Asia, India and Europe, uh, Asia and uh, Africa. And, um, you know, the English is the business language, especially among the younger generation. They all speak English because they're taught in schools, you know, and that's the business language. So it's. It's kind of well known then the older, older generation, they don't know a whole lot of English, but they know enough. And a lot of my songs have been translated into many languages, so a few of my songs, I know them in several different languages, and I'll sing them. You know if I'm in, in Asia and in, in Indonesia, there's a you know translation for one of my songs. I'll kind of brush up on it and sing it in that language. So yeah, it's, but n- normally it's not really a big barrier.
0: Oh, wow. Was that hard to learn your songs in other languages? Uh, well,
1: there's just one, one main song, so really not not really. And it didn't have a lot of lyrics, so I would just get with a local, you know, maybe one of the the sponsors or the host that was hosting us, I'd say, teach me the song in your language, you know, so it might take a day or two to learn it and just kind of memorize it. And, yeah.
0: That's really cool that, you know, you took the time to translate your songs and you know, you actually sing them, like, that takes a lot of effort, effort.
1: yeah, somebody else actually did the translation, but I just learned it, you know, so I think it, I think it's really, um, I think it's, it's a blessing to the people when you get there, that, wow, you know, he's singing in our language, he took the time, you know, and and that's what I was wanting, you know, I didn't want him to think we were just kind of blowing through, and, you know, either you learn it our way, or you, or we're not going to sing it, you know,
0: yeah, so I definitely agree. It
1: really it really touches their hearts, you know, and they and they actually sing along, you know, a lot better too. Cuz that's the way they learned it, you know, in their language.
0: Yeah, that's so nice. Mhm. Well, we are looking forward to having you perform at our Hiram campus. Have you ever performed in West Georgia before?
1: Um, yeah, I have. There's I've done some songwriter events there in Douglasville and different places, you know, around Atlanta. So how close are you to Atlanta?
0: I'd say we're like 30, 40 minutes or so, depending okay. on traffic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to having you. Awesome. So I read a little about your history, and I know you used to write pop music. Why did you decide right. to switch to Christian music?
1: Well, I had an amazing thing happen to me in 1981. A friend of mine that I grew up with in Florida had been to Vietnam, and when he got out of the service, he began smuggling drugs. And um, he was like not just a drug dealer. He was a smuggler. They would they had boats and planes and they would smuggle thousands of pounds of marijuana from the islands to the coast of Florida. And he got so deep into it that the FBI, the the state officials were after him. The IRS was after him. And he he turned his life over to God. He just surrendered to God. He said, God, I can't do this anymore. You're going to have to take control of my life. I've messed it up. And he called me late one night. and He said, Lenny, I got saved and I'm going to heaven. And I want you to be there with me. Are you saved? And I thought, man, just when things were going good, I was, I was not looking for God. God was like the last thing on my radar. I had a, you know, nice pop career. I was doing well, uh, had records, you know, hit records and had a record deal and something in his voice just really, really just tugged at my heart, you know, and he sent me a Bible. I'd never read the Bible before. And I started reading the Bible for the first time, just curious, you know, and God began to reveal himself to me through the scriptures. He, he began to show me myself you know, like di- in different characters in the Bible, you know, like the rich young ruler, he had everything, but he was all tied up in his riches. That was his God, you know, and um, just different things. And God began to reveal his love to me. And I just started seeing how on the outside, yeah, I was successful when I had all this stuff, but inside I was spiritually bankrupt. And I just really started crying out to God. I said, "God, I, I, what do I do? I, I want to go. I want. I want to know You, and I want to live for You." And man, I just start. My heart started changing. In my house, I would just go on the back porch, and I'd say, "Those trees have never looked that green. Everything just looked different. Everything I thought. I started thinking different. My heart began to change, and it was it was a supernatural experience with God." And so, as a songwriter, I was uh, contractually you know, held to uh, to do another record, it was time to make another record, and so I was trying to write songs for that pop record, and I'd start the song, and it would start out to be a pop love song, and then by the time I got to the chorus, it would be about Jesus, and I thought Capitol Records is not going to want these Jesus songs, and of course they didn't, and so I had to get what's known as a musician's worst nightmare, a real job, and they held me in, in uh, suspension of my contract, and it took two years for me to Get out of the contract and eventually, you know, make start recording Christian music. And it wasn't that, okay. now you're a Christian. You can't do this pop music anymore. It wasn't that at all. It was just that I lost that desire to do it. I wanted to write and sing about this God that radically changed my life. So that was the motivation of my heart. And of course, there was no money in Christian music then. Um, I had sung on Amy Grant's first record and I wasn't even a Christian. I just did it for a favor to a friend and um, so that's kind of how my journey started.
0: Wow, that's a really amazing story, and, yeah, and I'm glad I'm, that you're able to do something that you really love and appreciate, something that's changed your life like that.
1: Yeah, and along the way, I've had success in that
0: in that uh,
1: other arena, in
0: pop music and country
1: music. I've had number one songs recorded by other people that I wrote without even trying, you know, so I was, I was like able to achieve success and not even be in that genre, but Just from a distance, you know, and then write songs that are write songs in the Christian realm that are sung around the world, you know, in different languages. It's just amazing.
0: I think that's Um, really great that music can transcend languages like that, you know. Oh, it's
1: just it's just awesome. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I see now that you're a little more involved with the production side of music rather than singing, songwriting kind of. What made you decide to go that route?
1: I have produced a lot in the past, but uh, you know, three years ago, I sort of kind of created a different path career wise I still do music and I still write some I don't really make records because nobody buys music anymore so there's really no no um, reason to make records <laughs> other than just you want to take a pile of money out in the backyard and burn it um, <laughs> you know so I started designing houses because I've built furniture all my life and I built and designed every house we we've lived in hands-on you know and so I, I taught myself CAD for about two years and we built a house four years ago and then after I moved into the house I had some friends want me to do a little house plan for them so I did did one and then some builders found out I was doing it and I started doing house design and I've done over 150 homes in the last three years oh wow so it's like a major <laughs> career shift
0: <laughs> yeah definitely
1: but it allows me to make, make my own schedule and I can still do events like yours and, you know, write songs. And so, yeah, the the uh, advantages of being self-employed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think you might ever switch to that full-time instead and not do music well, it's as pretty much? Mu- or? No,
1: I think it is It is pretty much full-time already, but I can make time, you know.
0: Okay. I've gotten,
1: I've gotten pretty fa- pretty fast on designing, so <laughs> <laughs> I can design one in a couple of days, you know, usually.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I think you're the first, like, construction person, like, musician that I've met. It's a very yeah, different path, but it lets you still be yeah. creative. So, I mean, it works out.
1: It is. It's just kind of another stream of creativity, I think. You know, that's the way I look at it. If you're an artist, you're going to do, you know, you see a lot of uh, actors will be painters or songwriters will be sculptors or, you know, they, that that creativity flows down some different streams often.
0: Yeah okay so we always ask everybody the same last question is there anything else you'd like to tell our members
1: well i'd like to really encourage them to come i think you'd really be blessed and uh, i know i'd love to meet them all
0: yeah well thank you so much for your time we really appreciate you speaking with us oh thank you can't wait to see you at our annual meeting
1: all right we'll see you there
0: unfortunately we're all out of time for today's episode Make sure to check us out on social media and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, available on our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Thanks for joining us for episode 35. We'll catch you next time on the Powerline Podcast.